You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. Yay! Hey! Yay! Good evening, everybody. Welcome to All the Things, the show where we talk about all things related to God, life, and the Bible from our kind of standpoint of today and today's culture. I didn't do that right. No. I should probably just read it. This is the show where we discuss all things related to God, life, the Bible, and real life. Yes. I don't think I did that right either. But anyway, but we're not doing it should, again. Should I try it? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm Krista Bontrager. Yes. Also known as Theology Mom. And this is a show where we discuss the cultural issues of our day in light of the Christian worldview. There you go. It doesn't say that on that paper. Right here. Oh, maybe that that part. I missed that. I'm Monique. <laughs> And yes, today we are going to talk about all things related to God, life, and the Bible and in light of our current cultural worldview. Yes. And uh, Abby's not here today. She ran off to the beach with her friends. Yes. So there's no one to amuse us while painting or in the chat room. But uh, Bob's here, our official button pusher of all the things with a fancy wipe from the 80s. That was very nice. And... Wow, <laughs> that was very fancy. And if you would like to uh, really help support this ministry, <laughs> this is, the best way to do that is just hit that share button right now and help uh, spread the word on yeah. social media. So that's a good thing to do. It is a good thing. Hey, we're going to talk about um, another way to support and one of the sponsors of all the things. We have a new sponsor. Yes, a new sponsor. A sponsor. Yes. It's so cool. Family 210. There's a clothing line that my husband has been working on launching, and uh, we wanted to let people know about it. It's a Christian clothing line that he's been working on some designs. And uh, maybe, Bob, you could just tell people real quick what the 210 is about. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the 210 refers to Ephesians 210. Uh, we are God's masterpiece. From the NLT translation, I like that. Uh, we're God's masterpiece. And so that's what the 210 refers to. And so, yeah, just uh, Christian-themed T-shirts, uh, some creative design, some ideas I've always had for quite a while. I thought it would be an interesting T-shirt. And uh, so, yeah, that's just kind of what we're doing there. Very cool. So it's a very tangible way to help support us and uh, get something on on the other end. Yeah, and become part of the family. That's right. Yes. Become yes, part yes. of the family. We should start uh, wearing some of those on the show. I think so. Yeah, that'd be cool. Anything interesting happened in your week? Uh, you know, it was hot. I didn't like that. Oh, but that's the best part of my week. I know. <laughs> the very best part. We couldn't be more opposite. Of, Basically. We're opposite on so many things, and yes. so, especially temperature. Um, Anything uh, else? Yeah, I think... Um, just reflecting a lot on the continuing developments we talked about last week on the show about Benny Hinn and uh, him trying to distance himself from the prosperity gospel. There were a couple more interviews published this week uh, that I watched on YouTube with Benny Hinn. And uh, I think we had the right take last week is give him some grace, give him some time, let him sort it out. Uh, it seems like this is something the Lord's been working with him on for a couple of years now, so I'm taking still at face value, but people can go catch that show. And I've also been reflecting a lot on our interview last week on capitalism with uh, Dr. Mike Gurney. Mike, so, Mike, Mike, Mike. 
Oh, gosh. So, but we do want to encourage people to go check out the replay. You can catch it on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, whatever your favorite platform is. Sounds good. Yes. Sounds good. So, are you going to do the rundown? I can do the rundown. You know, nothing really interesting happened in my week. I'll just go ahead and throw that in there. Okay. Anyways, well, you seem you tired, no, but, no but, but your lipstick's killing it. You know, I'm, I'm just I like doing it. my best. Thanks. It's very I, fall. Yes, I'm going to step into that. I'm not really a fan of fall. Nothing interesting happened in my week. Thanks, in case anybody out there in the world was wondering. <laughs> I don't know. I probably am tired. I am taking a ballet class. That is interesting for me. And it, yes, it's really just working me out. Oh, we already have uh, some questions coming in. Rhyme his songs. Says she's uh, excited about the show tonight, hoping to glean some wisdom from the show. She's got some 11th graders in her life that are unchurched. Yes. So that'll be good. And she wants to know what airdrop is. Those of you who watched our promo video on Facebook a few hours ago heard Monique's story about airdrop. She wants to know what airdrop is. And airdrop is just a way to send media, videos, pictures to another phone and it's particular i don't even know if i can say the brand of phone i guess i don't want to sure, okay I, so like iphone to iphone see you see how they come for me <laughs> um yes yeah, so i can send i can send a video or a picture or something else a note or something like that well, now, you're gonna have to, now you're gonna have to tell a story because people if, didn't watch the promo video they're not gonna know what you're saying okay so what had happened was i was in class and a classmate asked me because i was videotaping the routine because we're going to be quizzed on this specific routine. she was in ballet class i was in ballet and i was taking a recording of the routine so we can practice at home and a girl walked up and said hey can you you know airdrop me the the video and i was like sure and so when you go to send the video different names of people who have on their iPhones and the the airdrop specifically on their iPhones turned on, then all of those people will pick up. So then I could have sent it to anybody, but this person, the girl's, um, her picture came up with her name, but then Satan came up and I was like, Oh Jesus, no (laughs) Satan. I don't want to airdrop nothing to Satan. But Satan was there just taking the ballet class with us. I don't know necessarily who it is. Somebody named their phone Satan. Yeah, it could be their name, but you know, um, I don't judge if you name yourself Satan. You might need Jesus. You might need Jesus. You might, but there's grace and we'll walk a road with you. I'm going to ask Jane about that. Jane, how do you respond to people who name themselves Satan? I don't know. <laughs> oh, say, oh, oh wait, we, it haven't, could be. we haven't introduced you. Yes, we yet. haven't introduced you. Now we just have some voice coming. All right, we're just. Jesus, is that you? <laughs> this is a professional show. We're in our living room here. Come on. Let's have some Maybe decorum. it's Satan. You know, he could be French. You never know. Ooh, we, we, okay. Satan. All right. No, all that's right. horrible. I really, yes. Okay, anyway, we're going to do the rundown of the show. And if you are watching, I am sorry that we have gone aloof. Um,. Okay, here it is. Astray. Okay, so we are going to be talking to Jane Pantic. She works with a ministry called Ratio Christi, and they are even an evangelistic ministry. Yeah, I said that right. Thanks. Um, and so what she does is she goes out to different campuses, college campuses, and has just open conversations with willing participants. She told me, um, and 
and I'm not going from this because I thought it was really cool. One of the things that she told me um, when we met is that like sometimes they'll just have a sign like got a question. Like, just, no, don't come up with me with your random questions. But she's gifted in just talking to people. I am not that gifted. So <laughs> I think she's in the right in the right field. But it'll be interesting to hear what the worldview is of people who are currently attending college and in that like 19 to 20 some year old. Yeah, maybe even down a little bit, 15, 16. Yeah. So, Um, and then we're going to have the tweet of the week. Yes, the tweet of the week, I think, is quite perplexing and oh, interesting. I love it. You thought it was funny and I was just like, I don't understand. But yes. No, I think it's so, so cool. We'll, we'll have the tweet of the week and please join us in our chat box either on YouTube or you can message us on Facebook. You can send your questions there. And yes, let's get going. Yeah, well, let's get Jane in here. I'm just checking our chat to see um, what we've got here. Okay. All right, let's get Jane on. There she is, Jane Panting. Well, hello. Wait, hold on. I have to take a sip of uh, my water here out of this wee. Oh, cup you here. got the women in apologetics mug. Yes, yes, represent well. Yes, repping that. That's good. Um, so let's talk a little bit with Jane about Gen Z, as they're called. It's because this is kind of the. I, I did some research. This is the. The generation of people after the millennials, which you're a millennial, mm-hmm. I'm a Gen Xer, and Gen Z are those born from the mid 1990s through the early 2000s. Okay, so they're these kids are in college, a little past college, um, but they what I think is interesting about them is they're kind of living mostly in a post 9/11 reality, the internet, the smartphone culture. Um, and a lot of us that are my age have kids now that are in this category, or many of my, my older friends have grandkids in this category. So I thought it'd be great to bring Jane on and talk about how to, how to reach some of these people. Yeah. So Jane, help us get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and journey to faith. All right. Well, uh, I grew up as a cultural Catholic. My parents are from the Philippines. And so that's just kind of something that's part of the culture. And so I grew up in the Catholic church, you know, baptized, communion, confirmation. And uh, um, in college, something really changed amongst my family. Uh, My dad, my brother, my younger brother and my mom had become believers while I was away at college. And so I would come home from college and we were going to churches that weren't Catholic. And I was like, what's going on here? I thought we were Catholic. So was a little confused by that, but I went with them. I actually really enjoyed the music and the message that pastors would share. But, you know, I was in college living my life and I was like, hey, maybe I'll just get into this when I'm older. And um, so that was my freshman year. And then by my senior year, I had become a believer. And so what had happened is my mom and my young brother invited me to this youth conference where I heard the gospel for the first time. Uh, I don't ever recall hearing it growing up in the Catholic church, but at that moment I knew uh, where I was in my life was uh, because of my sin. And I repented and went up to this altar call and my life completely changed after that. So that's what happened to me. 
That's very cool. And I think that it's interesting to me that your parents actually became Christians first. They were adult yeah. converts. And then you kind of came along later. That's an interesting twist because sometimes people go away to college and change worldviews while they're at college. But for you, you came home and your parents had kind of changed. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a blessing that way, too, because sometimes uh, when you become a, the first believer in your family, it's really hard. So, yeah, it was a hard thing for all of us together. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So how did you what was then kind of the the step that led you to doing apologetics? Oh, yeah. So I was a bio major and I quickly found out how hostile uh, people were towards people who believed in God. And so. I was like, what did I get myself into? And I was actually taking an evolution class at the time. And my friend in that class was an atheist. And he's like, well, you know, you believe in God now. Why are you taking this class? And at the time, I really didn't know what the positions Christians had. I just knew uh, they were kind of against evolution. I was like, well, I need to know both sides. And so, um, yeah, that's. And uh, I had a pastor who had introduced me to apologetics. And uh, Rabbi Zacharias was one of those people. And I was like, wow, this this Christian's articulate and uh, wise and smart, and I want to be like him. So that's how I got into apologetics. And it's just really helped me become uh, competent in my faith and also has helped me to share my faith with people. Now, you went through the apologetics program at Biola quite a while ago, though, now, right? Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. Yes, quite a while. We won't say what year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I am with you. I hear you. But but really, you are such, I think, uh, kind of a trailblazer in that you were on the younger end of the age spectrum and you were really trying to wrestle through these things. How did you get interested in in bringing apologetics to college campuses? Oh, it was really interesting. So... About the time I was going to graduate from Biola, I was getting emails from the, the Biola department about an organization called Ratio Christi, and they were looking for, you know, people graduating from the program to go out to the university and to, to do apologetics and evangelism, and I thought that was really cool, but at the time, you know, I had some student loans, and I didn't think I could just volunteer all my life away to that. And then I got another email saying, hey, we're hiring. And I was like, oh, they're going to pay people to do this? And they responded with, well, you got to raise money. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, that's kind of hard. But um, the Lord took me through that. And um, I'm in my ninth year with Rasho Christie now. Wow, that's awesome. And so you're a home missionary, right? Yeah. So I'm raising 100% of your support. support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Awesome. Tell us about the ministry that you do on campuses. What does it look like? Um, how do you get started? Yeah. So basically, you go look for a school. <laughs> you go look for a school and you figure out uh, how to get um, recognized by the school. You find students. And so when I first started, uh, I was at UCI. And, you know, you can go UC Irvine. Oh, UC Irvine. Yeah, yeah. For people who aren't from California. Um, so I just was asking people if they knew any students at UCI who wanted to be a part of this club. And then you build relationships with the other Christian clubs on campus. And through that, uh, we formed a club. And so in the clubs, we, we talk about evidences for Christianity, historical, scientific, 
philosophical. And uh, also at the same time, we want to share our faith with people who don't believe what we believe and just kind of bring them on um, in a conversation where they could ask all the questions they want. What does the outreach side of your ministry look like? Oh, so uh, we do uh, outreach at, uh, I'm at various schools. So we try to do it out in an open area where there's uh, grass and we just put out blankets and snacks and signs. And we just put, we say, this is the deep questions club and you could come and ask whatever you want to ask. And every week we get new people and they're, they're just ready to ask questions. And a, a lot of it naturally goes into God and just, just things about God and spirituality and religion. So it's just a good way for people to be exposed to a Christian worldview. So what I want people to understand, and we're showing a little B-roll here on the, on the show of, of your deep questions club, as you call it, you just kind of set up a tarp in a free speech zone on the campus. You have some food and students walk by and they just start talking about questions. And then that inevitably leads to deeper conversations that are usually sort of philosophical or spiritual. Yep. And it's, it just naturally goes that way. We don't, we don't even try to push it in that direction. It just naturally goes there. Do most of the, the young people who stop by, do you find that most of them are unchurched or have some kind of experience with the church and with faith? It's a mixed bag. Yeah, definitely a lot of students are non-religious. Uh, so people who have never been to church, you get those students who are uh, spiritual but not religious. So uh, people just trying to figure it out on their own. And then you meet some students who might have had some exposure to Christianity, but it's really mixed up. So when they stop and talk to you, how would you characterize the the worldview beliefs of the average student that comes by and, and speaks to you? Like, if you might describe, like, what is their belief about reality and morality? Like, how would how might you... Uh, just kind of walk us through what their major belief system is. A lot of them are just trying to figure it out as they go. <laughs> a lot of kids want to say they're spiritual. So uh, in the past, a lot of a lot more students were more atheistic. But I think uh, atheism and materialism has just kind of left them empty, and they want to know that there's that there's something bigger than them. So I think that's why a lot of people just generally gravitate towards spirituality in general. So they're, they're kind of looking for something spiritual, but not necessarily an organized religion. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most common questions that you get about Christianity? Oh, it's like, uh, why are Christians hypocrites? Why do they do all these bad things in the name of God? So a lot of the questions, if they're asking questions about Christianity, are usually the misunderstandings or mis, uh, misconceptions of it. So... Yep, that's a lot of people don't generally just come in and start asking about Christianity. It's usually a more general question that leads into religion. And then that's how Christianity comes into the conversation. Do you you notice a certain theme? Uh, Because if most if most of the people that stop by aren't asking about Christianity, is there a theme Mm -hmm. to what they are asking about? A lot of them like to ask about the meaning of life. What happens when we die? Uh, How do you live your life? A lot of the students kind of 
are looking for guidance and wisdom and knowledge. And uh, some of the questions I get is how do you acquire wisdom? How do you acquire knowledge? And a lot of the times we talk about truth or morality. So we have a, a, a viewer who has a question for you, Jane. Um, uh, Rhyme His Songs, who's a frequent viewer of the show, wants to know what is the key issue of Gen Z's spirituality? Like, what is it that they believe spiritually? Do they just kind of come in and and they're just sort of ambiguous or do they... Are they new age or how, what sort of, do you, what do you see from them spiritually? Yeah, I think spirituality, it always, when you meet with them, it kind of sounds new agey. It's just like, kind of like they want to know that there's just something besides this world or there's something supernatural that's around them. So we hear students who talk about, um, can we talk about drugs on this show? <laughs> yeah, we could talk um, about all, that's why it's all, all the things. things. <laughs> okay, all the things. Yeah, this is all the things we talk about on campus. So um, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm going to go out to the woods and me and my friends are going to do all these shrooms. And it's a spiritual, it's a spiritual experience. And people talk about getting a third eye or being transplanted into another realm. And so a lot of the spirituality that we see on campus is something along the lines of that. So I would characterize that as sort of new age but also somewhat opening themselves up to other kinds of spirits not the holy spirit maybe even the occult yeah kind of yeah. yeah i was gonna say mm-hmm. occultish um yeah so- i'm concerned that they're going into the woods like but that's for another show okay. <laughs> into the woods <laughs> yeah so um rhyme his songs had a had another question she says um do you see that this generation is having more of a bent toward the sanctity of life or pro-life issues or more toward pro-choice? We actually have uh, had lots of conversations about that. Initially, a lot of them are pro-choice. And as we have conversations with them, because a lot of them don't uh, understand or really understand or they don't know what goes on in abortion and they don't know what it looks like. And we've had lots of students change their minds in one conversation because they really didn't know what an abortion was. And so uh, I think I've heard that this generation is more pro-life than past generations. And uh, I could see them being a lot more open whenever we talk to them. So, yeah, lots of students change their mind on that position when we have conversations with them. I'm wondering um, when, like, how do you navigate from... I'm going in the woods <clears throat> to open myself up to a spiritual experience through drugs to mm-hmm. let me tell you about the historic Christian worldview. Like, <laughs> like how does that happen? Um, well, we talk about all kinds of things. And so it, it's really interesting how it lands. There. It just naturally gets to God in a lot of the conversations. So we don't have to be like, hey, do you know about the historical effects of Christianity? It's more like we go wherever the conversation leads and and it does get to God. And then we do get to talk about Christianity. We get to talk about Jesus. And it's it's just the natural way the conversation goes for us. So kind of paint me the picture, though, like what are some of the common conversations that you that you see? Like what are the themes that come up a lot? 
Uh, well, I can just talk about our last meeting. Uh, so we actually had a professor stop by and he's like, what are you got? What group is this? And we're like, oh, we're the deep questions club. And so we were like, what question do you have? And so he started talking about artificial intelligence and he was proposing if uh, AI could, you know, fix everybody's problems, would you want that? And a lot of the students actually pushed back because they believed in consciousness. So we started talking about consciousness and, you know, he was very materialistic and at the same time he was really condescending. So a lot of the students were pushing back on how condescending he was towards the students. So it was kind of interesting to see that they just, they don't just believe what they're told, which gives me hope for this generation. They're, they're willing to push back on some things that their professors say. Well, since we're on that subject, I'll just yeah. give a shameless plug for my employer. Um, we're going to, uh, the transhumanism book, we had Dr. Ron on several weeks ago talking about that and some of those themes and how that's kind of an alternative religion. It's, just, it's an alternative um, that's being put forth um, by naturalists, but also on the artificial intelligence. We have a, a book that will be coming out in a couple of years on that issue from AI from a Christian worldview standpoint. So there's definitely some things to be done there on that front, because I think that's the last best hope of the naturalist worldview, but good for the students for pushing back on, mm -hmm. on some of that. So I'm going to click well, over. So you I'll, ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually wondering, um, do you see a lot of students moving into Christianity or is it like, that it's just the, the opening door, which to me, I think is great. And um, like the word says, one person plants the seed, another person waters the seed. I'm just wondering what does salvation look like um, either in the Christian club or even in the deep thinkers club? Well, for our, we've actually had a couple of students come to Christ this past spring. So that's pretty exciting. And, you know, with a lot of people who come to our groups, it's usually a long process. Uh, a lot of the kids that tend to come to our groups like to think a little bit more deeply. And that's what we promote. Uh, promote. We want people to think deeply. And so, um, you know, it could take a year for somebody to come to Christ. We haven't seen somebody just come uh, to Christ on the spot. Yeah. So we like to hash things out with them, you know, count the cost. This is what Christianity has to offer. And this is are you willing to give up your life for it? And so I would rather have a student really think about it and process it and come to Christ. That's so good because it really highlights the relational component mm -hmm. of evangelism that you have to be willing to walk with people and to understand that they're coming at life from a lot of sometimes messy points of view yeah. and mm -hmm. um, giving them time uh, to think through things because, um, you know, in the ancient church, um, that's what I was going to talk about. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. But, you, you will say it much better than I will. But in the ancient church, they sort of had a process of about a year of bringing, uh, a person along to see before yeah. they would really, um, kind of call them to a conversion. There was a whole process of investigation and inquiry and questions. And because many people were coming from, other pagan religions and they needed that time to and to think about it and i think in scripture sometimes we we only get one snapshot of like the instantaneous on the spot conversion 
but there in the ancient church there was also this slower path and um that's that's really interesting to me that that you're you're finding a very creative way of giving them time and space to think about things so i kind of want to switch gears a little bit and start talking about the gen z generation like in a more specific way and especially the younger side of it what are some things that you think millennials and Gen Xers miss or misunderstand about um, people who are or young people who are Gen Zs? Uh, well, I think a lot of people think that Gen Z kids are just always on their phones. So, I mean, they are the first generation to fully grow up on the Internet and social media. And they think, you know, you can't they're socially awkward or they don't like talking to people. But like uh, we've been on campus and everybody has earbuds on, everybody's on their phones and you kind of are like, oh, they're never going to talk to us because they're just glued to their phones. So we actually tried something on campus and we just went up to people who had earbuds and we tried to start conversations with them and they actually did. So uh, it, there is hope for them because they aren't just going to be on their phone. They, they're willing to talk to people too. So that's uh, a lot of people just think they're just glued to their phone all the time. But I think if you have something valuable to talk to them about, I think they're willing to put their phone aside to chat with you. I think it's interesting, a comment you made earlier, that they're really looking for wisdom. And in the internet age, there's a lot of information, but there's not necessarily a lot of wisdom. wisdom doesn't equate. Yeah. And that's interesting that they they perceive that. Um, another one of our viewers, uh, Rhyme His Songs has another question. Um so uh, can you begin by asking a question like to zero in on their interests? Is there a, a best way to, to lead them into a conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what might I ask them? Should I have like some frequently asked questions or, you know, like what's the best way to start engaging with, with someone in a Gen Z context? What's been working for us is, you know, these kids come to our groups and they ask us, what are you talking about? And like, we're talking about whatever you want to talk about. You could ask whatever question you want. So I think just letting them ask the questions first will give you an idea of where they're at and could go from there. I think that's a good point. Um, I remember working with youth and people in church feeling like, Young people need to act this way. They need to speak this way and have these questions and conversations. And what I hear you saying is just be open and meet people where they are. And that will kind of organically lend itself to building relationships so that you can have an organic conversation about faith and about Christ. Mm-hmm. So do exactly. you, do you kind of combine like an evidence-based approach through apologetics with you know, prayer or personal testimony or how do you, what, what sort of is your strategy there? So we just have just conversations with how you would regularly have conversations with friends. And so as the conversations develop, you could see people starting to have questions where you could actually use your apologetics. And that's when a lot of students, like I've never heard of this before, because the Christian worldview isn't something that's going to be taught in their classroom. And so they're really shocked when they hear what Christians actually believe in. They're like, well, I never knew that. So yeah, that's when the apologetics gets in there, when you're pretty much in the conversation and have built relationships with them. Uh, apologetics is just a really great tool to, with these young people. 
Well, and I'd imagine that even a lot of Christian students haven't encountered a lot of apologetics in their churches growing up because yeah. it's a pretty rare youth group where you're where you're getting that information. Um, do you oh, find, yeah. do you find that people are generally receptive when you try to bring up issues related to like the historical Jesus and and that sort of thing? Uh, once you build relationships, people are willing to listen to you. So that's the great thing. Um, I think it maybe if you started off with, hey, did you know Jesus was a historical figure? I think that would probably ha- make people walk the other way. But since we've been having conversations with them, um, it gets easier to introduce those concepts to them. What I love about Jane's approach is that it's relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. It's like she's done all the homework. She's got the evidences but it's not just about like a direct presentation or a talk, yeah. which is so often mm-hmm. how you see apologetics showing up. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on the show is because I want people to see like, no, no, this needs to be something that you stitch into your life. And, and kind of um, what I hope people will come away with is a couple of things in this discussion is the importance of being prepared that, you know, Jane's done some some good work in wrestling through questions for herself and being conversant about issues, but also thinking about opportunities that are right in front of you. Yes. Like, I love the simplicity of your ministry, Jane, that y- you are really just an everyday evangelist. I mean, I know you're out there raising support and you're full-time going to four college campuses, but your approach is so simple of we're just going to sit in a free speech zone and and have it set up a sign and have some food and invite people to talk to us. Um, that is a very powerful, I think, approach. And it made my mind start thinking about the kids that come in and out of my life as a mom when my kids are bringing their friends to the house or I have to drive them somewhere um, in the car, uh Sometimes kids come from really broken homes and then they're hanging out with my kids. You know, how can I start to build those relationships with them and be an opportunist in an everyday way? And that's kind of what has inspired me about about knowing you, Jane. Cool. I'm glad I could inspire somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay, so what what advice or what would you talk to parents about and advise parents to do to reach out to the kids who may be unchurched? Um, one of our viewers, I think it was Rhyme His Song said, you know, like there are some 11th graders in her life who are unchurched. How do they begin, you know, that process in reaching out to them or what are some things maybe even if they're not beginning that process that they should just keep in the back of their mind? Yeah, just asking them what what is your home life like? Just asking questions about them uh, and then let them ask you questions. And I, th- I think the thing is we shouldn't assume about uh, assume things about people because I think that's what we do as we, we don't want to be judgmental Christians, right? And so you just want to ask them instead of assuming, oh, well, their family's like this and this and this and that. So just getting to know them, I think, is the best thing you could do. And, you know, as, as time goes by, they're going to ask you those, those hard questions. I mean, I have this one um, student and she's, she's a teen mom. And so uh, I got to know her just in that first meeting. And 
I just asked her questions about what is it like to be a, a young mom and what do you enjoy about it? And I just praised her for making that decision to, to keep her child at such a young age because this culture tells you you can't do it when you're that young. And so it was just really cool to have that conversation with a, a young person and to encourage them. And I want to encourage the parents and grandparents out there. I mean, you're looking at two people right here at the table who both came to Christ when we were 15 mm -hmm. and were influenced and impacted by families around us that in our own families, home families that had various levels of brokenness, other families extended grace to us and included us in what they were doing. And that had a lasting impact in our lives. And, and I guess I want to encourage our viewers that if you have a great home life, think about sharing that with another person that is maybe your kid's friend who's just always hanging out there because they're probably getting more from that experience than you realize. They're watching you and they're watching your, your beliefs and what a difference that makes for you. And then maybe you're, you're creating a safe environment for them to ask questions. We have some more viewer comments, Jane. Um, S. Brooks says she's loving the conversation. Uh, I, I've often thought that if older generations would just take time to at least try to talk to younger folks, even with their earbuds in, the younger ones mm -hmm. will appreciate it and engage. Many of them are just waiting for that attention and even mentorship. Have you found that to be true? Yeah. So uh, one of my colleagues, he's married with kids and they get to ask him questions about marriage and what it's like to be a father. And so we get to step in um, as mentors where, you know, a lot of these students come from broken homes. They don't know what it's like to have a good father or a good mother and to have you know, Christians who are living that out and able to tell people of their experiences, is, these kids are so thankful to hear stories and us to help them walk through that um, and try to understand what family is all about. So, yeah, I, I think the Christian, like older Christians have a lot to offer to this young generation, especially because there's a lot more broken families and parents aren't really being parents to their kids anymore. Well, let's um, have you kind of wrap it up here. Tell us a little bit more about the work that Rashio Christie is doing uh, nationwide and, and how some of the people that are watching might want to get connected with them. Yeah, so we are here in uh, the United States, but we are also in other countries as well. And so we're all establishing uh, chapters all over the country and all over the world. And, you know, the ways you could get involved is, telling young people that we exist and they could go to these clubs on campuses and uh, you could just find us on the internet at uh, rashochristie.org and you could find out more uh, where we're at and uh, yeah, what we're doing. There we go. We have a little graphic up on the screen about Rashio Christie and there it's sort of like a campus ministry, like an university chapter or campus crusade, but it's focused on allowing young people to really come ask their difficult questions as well as Christian students who've maybe come from Christian homes, but are now kind of wavering in their faith, mm -hmm. having some support mm -hmm. and some ways of getting engaged in a deeper way um, on what they believe and why they believe it. So Rosho Christie is a great ministry. So we, we are glad to 
have Jane here. Thank you, yes, Jane, thank for doing you. this. Your ministry yes, and mission are so me. vital. Thank you so much. I really thank hope that you for having me. Yeah, I hope <laughs> people will be inspired today as a result of what you're doing. So thank yeah, you so much, you Jane. Just go out there and have conversations. See where it goes. <laughs> That's right. Be really good listeners and be gentle and respectful. And I think God will show you really, really uh, great things. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you. All right. Bye. I think her closing point is so important. Like, just be gentle, be respectful, non-judgmental, and see what opens up. I mean, it's the the exact same thing that we want, you know, or that I know I want. I can't speak for everybody, but, you know, gentleness, respect. Please don't judge me. um, And let's have a conversation. Yeah, and I think that there's such a, we're having a, we're in a cultural moment right now where we're trying to find that, that line of how do I engage with people in a gentle, respectful way and, and just non-judgmental. The way I'm understanding what you're saying there is that people come to Christ in all kinds of messy life situations. They come from broken homes. They come from abusive homes. They come from uh, new age worldviews. They, they just come from all kinds of different situations and belief systems, but that we're, we're ultimately and clearly pointing them to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about what Jane's doing. It's not this kind of watered down progressive Christianity where we're, we're not going to call anyone to anything. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to still clearly preach the gospel yeah. and give people evidences for the historic Christian faith. But on the front end, learning how to, be what I call living invitation so that people want to keep coming back for more conversation. So I'm always triggered by the word of don't be judgmental because it's like the whole progressive Christian, like we can't judge anyone and then we don't want to ever lead anyone to the cross. No, I just think like, you know, I had the guy named Satan or girl, whoever in my class (laughs) named Satan and their phone was named Satan. And it's like, you know, that's where you are. Yeah. And I'm not going to judge you because that's where you are. What I can do is treat you with gentleness, kindness, love, yeah. respect. And that person yeah. is Jesus. And we will, just because your name's Satan doesn't mean I can't have a conversation with you. Doesn't mean I can't, you know, yeah. ask questions. I don't have to, I guess, condemn you. Let's not be the condemning kind. Let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that um, what I really hope that people will get from this, honestly, is just, I love Jane's, Jane's like an everyday hero. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that people will be inspired to be everyday heroes to their kids' friends or to their grandkids or, you know, just to, yeah. to really sew into other people's lives yeah. and, and be a good listener because really you don't know what a difference it makes. Uh, there were a couple of families when I was in high school and very confused and had a had a, a difficult a non-existent relationship with one of my parents and uh those families that let me come over and eat dinner with them and where the the dad talked to me and asked me questions about my life or what I was interested in that that guy probably had no more idea you know that that he was making a difference in my life but it it showed me something different mm-hmm. and it it helped to inspire my faith so it makes a difference. It does. So it does. 
Okay. All right. So how about some tweet? Let's do the tweet, tweet of, of the week. week. That's right. Neil Shenvey, my fave. Hi. <laughs> if you're watching. I, yeah. If Neil Shenvey is watching this show, I'm, it's made my life. Uh, Daryl Davis, he, he t- Neil sh- tweeted this uh, last week. D- Daryl Davis is an amazing man who has convinced over 200 Klansmen to repudiate their beliefs and leave the KKK. He shared on Facebook today what he was called that he was called a white supremacist by Antifa protesters. If you understand critical theory, you'll understand why. I just first want to say, like, talk about everyday heroes. I, I think know. Dr. Shinbi is an everyday hero. He, um, yeah, he digs deep, him and his partner, Dr. Pat, Pat Sawyer. Sawyer. They dig deep into issues of critical theory. And not just the issues of critical theory, but the issues of critical theory encroaching upon the church and why as a Christian worldview, it is so inappropriate in the church. And so everyday heroes shout out to Dr. Sawyer and Dr. Shinvi because they definitely put in the work and they, um, they put out just information that is top quality and so informative and in written in ways that the everyday person can understand it. It's not super academic. Like, you know, you have to understand all the data points and, you know, X, Y, and Z in order to get to the bottom line. It's like, no, here it is for everyone to be able to see. So, and we've been having a, we've been having a series of conversations on YouTube about critical theory, critical race theory. So we both follow both Pat Sawyer and, and Neil Shenby. But what I really liked about this post was another everyday hero. I've never heard of this guy, Daryl Davis, I think yeah. is his name. And here he is talking to some Klansmen. He's a blues. Yeah, I feel like you, that's, that's deep. He's a blues know. musician. I don't know if I'm that strong. But, like, okay, but see, I'm going to break this out. I don't know this guy. I, I'd love to get him on the show. If anyone knows him, like, you know, give him my email. But uh, I, I am just so utterly curious as to what motivates him. I went, I'd never heard of him. So I went and found an old NPR episode where they actually interviewed him. And um, that's available. You can just find it on Google. It's only about seven minutes. But he talks about the first time that he did this. And he just, much like Jane, that's why I loved both of these together, is another everyday hero. He's just goes and he he finds these people and he makes friends with them. And he meets a lot of them through his travels as a musician. And he goes to the the Deep South a lot and he plays music and he encounters um, white supremacists, white nationalists, KKK people, and he just befriends them. I can even the first thing that I think about, and you would have to watch our our video that's on YouTube about Doctor, um, not Doctor, I'm sorry, about Akimini Uwan's video. In one of her videos, she or responses something that I've seen. She mentions that you know white spaces are violent violent yeah now i'm sorry but if you're at a christian conference christian women's conference with white women that is not this (laughs) let me go stand in front of the cross burning kkk now i'm i couldn't do it i'm not that i'm not that strong i know i got father son and holy spirit and i still i'd be like no jesus not today (laughs) not today but but but, to me this is like a Either he's 
completely out of his mind or he's compelled by such love and I think it ha- it I, has to be it has to be I, yeah. I seriously wonder I looked at his Facebook page which is fairly public um like is he a Christian what's motivating him I really want to know so do I because look at the guy in the KKK outfit he's looking <laughs> like do you know where you are do you know who I am yes <laughs> but here's the thing about this is Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, that we are to love our enemies yes, and pray blessings for those who persecute us. Here's where my fatigue is with the critical race conversation, is that there's so much conversation about who's right and who's wrong, and it's a lot of energy about pointing the fingers and and whether people are anti-racist enough or not enough and all of this stuff, and it's all very complicated in complicated terms. What I love about Daryl is that it's very simple. Is if we're going to love people, we're going to have to be in relationship with them. If we're going to overcome our racial problems, we're going to have to go out and actually be friends with people. And we're going not just stand behind a podium and say these are the issues. Or, or on yeah. your on your Twitter keyboard. Yes. You, we we got to stop that because this. I mean, for all of the conversation about social justice happening on Twitter, okay, and in books and in academia, I want to know who the people are that are actually going out and talking to 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 people like this that mm-hmm. are their stated enemies that want to kill them yes. and going there. To me, that is much more what Christ had in mind than all of this academic theory. And earlier today, I told Monique the video I want to make, but I won't mention it here because she won't let me make it. But here's the thing. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> About critical race theory, because I just want to be done with this assignment. But this, to me, is part of the solution this has to be part of the solution it cannot simply be an academic conversation if, if me having to go and talk to the people in the kkk is part of the solution i don't know if we're gonna find a solution this side of heaven because i don't know that i'm that strong like i literally love the idea maybe maybe that's it maybe he loves it more than i do i don't know but i'm just i don't i'm not that strong pray for me saints pray for me i need some strength um but in in all serious, well, yeah, I, I need strength in all seriousness because I don't know that I'm there. I don't know that like that's fear gripping to me, you know. Um, but in reality, going and, and going back to the question of well, how can someone call him a right a white supremacist? Okay, so we'll go that back was to the, the original question. Sorry, um, I had the little sermon there. Yeah, oh, I I didn't know we was gonna have the picture. And I didn't, yeah, I wasn't ready. I'm a little shook by that. I wasn't ready. Um, he. So how could a black person be called? The uh, setup is, is that you're either for us or you're against us. That's basically it. So if you are not siding with the thought of critical race theory, then you are participating. Even if it's unknowingly, you're participating in whiteness you're participating in the system of oppression so because he is not you know 
I guess, working to be against the KKK or speak out against that oppression, um, then he would be participating in that. If um, And there's many different avenues in which you can say, you know, per, to me, part of it is personal responsibility. Personal responsibility, and again, like that's part of what we talk about in the videos, but that would be seen as whiteness. I am not a victim, not holding to the victim narrative of being oppressed would be living in a pre-encounter phase and not um, not truly being woke, so to speak. Um, He's not a proper woke black person. In, if in they're the, calling him a white supremacist, I would say yeah, that's, that's, that's probably That's accurate. how they arrive at that conclusion. Yeah. But, um, but check out the videos, people. Check out the videos. They're so informative. And you would be surprised how the conversation of critical race theory is infiltrating the church. And it does not belong there. Um, let's see. We have a... Oh, someone's a, telling me they liked my little sermon. Oh, okay. Well, there's that. <laughs> Um, I think that, I guess for me, the, after all of the nine months or so, 10, 10 months that we've been talking about critical race theory and all of this stuff, to me, when I saw this, I felt like this is much closer to what Christians ought to be doing, is really love, this is what it means to love our enemies. This is the snapshot of what that means. Loving our enemies is not a word. It's not, it can't just be a political idea. It can't just be a pretty sermon. It can't be an academic conversation. It can't just be about, well, let's, let's parse out a whole new vocabulary mm -hmm. on what these words are going to mean now for this group of people. No, this is what I've been trying to explain for the last 10 months is the kingdom of God subverts all of that. When you go and you love your enemies, that is what it means to display the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. Love is not a word that means like I just accept everyone's sin or that I bully them into believing my belief. It's about friendship and extension of, of kindness and bringing people along. There was a great story in the, in the NPR thing that I listened to. And he was talking to this Klansman. And they and they had been developing a friendship. And so they were driving in a truck to, somewhere together. Mm. And uh, the, the Klansman says to him, says to Daryl, um, well, you know that all black people are inherently violent. And Daryl says, well, I've never beat anybody up in my life. What are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, it just hasn't come out yet. But all black people are inherently violent. This was his, the Klansman's belief. Mm -hmm. So Daryl, in a form of apologetics, I think, he turns it around and he says, well, did you know that all white people have, are genetically predisposed to being serial killers? Mm -hmm. And uh, especially white men are, are predisposed to being serial killers. He's like, well, I've never killed anyone in my life. He says, yeah, we'll look at Ted Bundy and... Jeffrey Dahmer and all these people, they're all white. They're all white males. It just hasn't expressed itself yet. And that guy said that conversation was part of the turn, the beginning of the turnaround wow. for him. But Daryl had to be willing to be in a significant enough relationship with this guy 
to go somewhere with him, to get in a truck with him, yeah. to, you know, but that is what Jesus means when he says to love our enemies. Yes. And I think that that's a whole lot closer to a, to the solution of racial unity and reconciliation than all of these academic conversations and all of these talking heads. Mm-hmm. Honestly. I agree. So I agree. There, I don't know if I'm getting enough. There's my little sermon. Yes. Yes. Come on, Krista. Preach. Yes. Yes. All right. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're a little unsettled. I am. Know. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's also encouraging for me personally. Like, okay, so I've come this far. Like, what else can I do? How else can I, you know, go out and reach out to someone who believes differently than I do or thinks differently than I do. And yeah. What what does that begin to look like? What does it look like? And what does love look like? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you everyone for joining us uh, for this conversation. I hope you were inspired tonight to be an everyday hero in in your context. That was really sort of the theme of the show tonight. And I hope that that you're coming away and thinking about that. And we'll get into a conversation with the Lord about who it is in your, what we call at our church, our oikos, our 8 to 15 people that God has strategically and supernaturally placed in your life that he wants you to speak, be speaking into their lives. Be prepared, you know, you know, if you need to li- read some, some books or get prepared, learn some apologetics. There's a ton of great resources out there, podcasts, videos, all that stuff. But also don't forget to be in relationships. relationships. Yeah. That's really the big theme for, for yeah. tonight's show. Uh, share the show. Click on that share button. If you if you are enjoying the show, if the show is ministered to you, please help us grow this ministry by helping to spread the word of what we're doing here. Yeah. Also, the podcast is available on Apple Podcasts. Google Play. And? Spotify. All right. Go to Instagram and like Family210. Yes. Yes. Sh- support our show sponsor. And... Check out our sh- check out the shirts there. You gonna play the video of the the other one? Do you have that? There it is. All right. It's okay. It's a still. That's my that's my favorite design there on the left. It's kind of a mm-hmm. homage to the to the to the resurrection of Christ bringing us to life at, at the cross. So connect right. with us in social media. The real Monique D on. Twitter, Twitter and Theology yes. Mom everywhere uh, you can connect with me. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Everyone. See you next week. God Bye. bless.